mates as well you know it's cheap to get in um policing isn't great they're already treated like a criminal and you know there were loads of gangs obviously like unemployment was right 1984 fuck me four years in the thatcher it's not not a great time no not a great time at all but they completely changed it and they massively changed a lot of things helped with that obviously the, the hills were verdict and the same, and you know, and the the all seater stadiums. Then the CCTV, the advancement in CCTV, massively helped as well. They got all the, they were able to pinpoint fucking any trouble in the stadiums. Then obviously as well, again, just the shift. Obviously, ecstasy fucking helped that as well because you know, loads of loads of the hooligans were getting wiped out and hugging each other at the weekends and not then stabbing each other instead, like so. Anfield was never what you would call the worst of grounds or the worst of of the offenders, of the hooliganism. See, I wasn't really, I don't think I was really conscious of all that at that age. I was aware of football and I was aware of, you know, continental football, etc. But I didn't understand the gravity of what went on in the terraces. And I certainly didn't understand the gravity of when the Premier League became the Premier League. To me, at that age, it was just like it changed its name sort of thing because it was trendier or whatever. I didn't really really understand how it was going to completely fucking reshape the face of football. It took a while for that to sink in, I think, for most people. There were some. There were some staunch objectors at the time who forecast exactly what it would do. And who were absolutely right. But most people were like, come on, you know, the sport needs an injection. It's good for the game and yada, yada. And yeah, okay. there was a sweet spot, I think, where it was good for everything. I think that's probably the, the early days, the first kind of five years of it, maybe, where you did sort of get a bit of a trickle-down benefit and the other leagues were still kind of known as division. What was it? It was the Premier League and then it was... Division one, division two, two wasn't it? And, and division three, because it was the old four, the old four uh, divisions. It was division one to four in the old league. Yeah. Uh, and then there was no conference. What was it? it used to be the Vauxhall Conference back in the day. Vauxhall, GM Vauxhall Conference. Yeah. And th- and that was your that was your ticket into the football league. Yeah. But back right. in those days as well, Neil, there was only one team demoted from the fourth division. And one team came up, and the majority That's of teams, right. the majority of teams missed promotion who won that league because their ground didn't meet the the requirements to enter the football league. So uh, there was times there were the third place team got in, not by winning the league, but by being third and having a ground capable. And yeah. there was an argument at the time, I think, because do you remember? Do you remember the first division used to be a twenty four team league? Yep, what? I do indeed. Of course, I yeah, do. Yeah, it was a it was a twenty four it was a twenty four team league, and then I think it was a twenty two team league, and I think but, only then. But Europe was go- nothing back in those days, Neil. 
Europe was was, was twenty four. No wonder all those teams kept staying in it year after. Yeah, year. Uh-huh. it was twenty four for years and years, and then they dropped it to twenty two. And I yep. think they dropped it to twenty when the Premier League came in. But they did. But I think there was an argument at the time because people wanted to drop to eighteen. Well, the Premier League they always they actually committed to to dropping the team the the, the league to eighteen uh, as as one of their. One of their um, plans to do in the first, you know, charter. And, and you know, you look at it today, and, and if you say, well, you see from next season, four years going down. So the be, oh, was 22 teams for a while as well. Was it? Yep. The first season was, I think, I, I think it was the first season. Se- no, I think it was. I think it was only one. They, I, I remember it coming in, and they basically said to them, and the point I'm trying to make in this one is, you know, that you're going to run for a season, but then. Extra teams are going to go down, and we're going to be a twenty-team league. And it was, ex- it was accepted. He played in a in a in a twenty-two team Premier League. I'm sure he did because the first season he, he got thirty odd goals. I'm sure that was a with the extra games. Oh, I think you're right, Chief. Yes, I'm sure it was. Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. I don't want to go flicking around the internet here, and just in case, uh, in case I fucking eat me bandwidth. Um, but I, 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 if it was two seasons, fair enough. I'm, I'm not fight. But I, I do remember the, you know, the reduction down. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to the tw- but the point I'm trying to make is back then, it, the financial implication was certainly nothing like it would be today by being uh, re- facing relegation. So there was no TV. Um, really, still was only in its fledgling, and it was only the Premier League, so it wasn't really hurting. There was no Saturday games being shown. It was only Super Sunday, um, but that's all. You there got. wasn't such a. I think the the key is there wasn't such a disparity financially uh-huh. between the top flight and the second and the and the the, the second tier down. And as yeah. the years have gone on, that has got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, With no, so we we branched out we. We branched into Monday night football. Then Super Sunday became maybe three games, and and the Monday night game. And then you know once the or once the uh, the Champions League started to you know because we don't forget we were banned. All the, the 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 English teams were banned for so long, and and getting back in all of this was about was about the nineteen ninety eight to probably two thousand and five era, maybe a bit longer where where it was just. Where it was okay, where it was still okay with the football on TV. But I mean, you've noticed, you must notice yourself. Like in the last ten years, the amount of football on TV is just just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Like you know, you think that you sort of think that it's always been like that. But like if you think back, even to the early two thousands, you no. didn't have that much. You'd, you'd have a couple of games at the weekend and you'd have the Champions League, and that that was it. Now you've got games from yeah, the even even yeah even in the early days of Sky there was no games on a Saturday there was no Saturday afternoon game or Saturday evening game. Now you sometimes you've got three live games on a Saturday sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't even a Saturday game. There wasn't a Friday night game. There was no such thing. I think you Look, got Friday two, nights only came around in the last couple of years, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you got two games on a Sunday, and then maybe one on a Monday night. It took them ages. To get the Monday night football, they made so. If you if you remember, you probably won't. But if you ever watched like the Premier League years or the Premiership years or whatever, you you see one of them with the first time they get Monday night football, and it's quite late on. Like I mean, it's it's not they don't have it from the start. 
It's no, well no. into the 90s that they get Monday Night Football and they make a big deal of it. You know, first ever Monday Night Football. You know, it's Keys and Greg's fucking Keys and Greg giving it loudly. Um, but since then, I mean, it, they've diluted it more and more and more and more. I find there are times where I go to watch Matt's a day and then realize I've actually seen yeah, yeah, five yeah. games or whatever already. Like, Especially see see with me here, like I, I got all the Saturday games on TV. You know what I mean? The, 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 the way it's spread out now, Neil, there's very there's very few games that I don't see at least a good bit of. Exactly. Well, for the English Premier League. You don't even have a Saturday where like, I mean, before, okay, like we're saying, so even if you had an early game or one game before the main games on a Saturday, whether that's a Friday night game or an early game or whatever, then have fucking seven games kicking off at three o'clock. Do you know what I mean? Not Don't don't have one at half 12 and one at half five and one at half seven and only three games kicking off at three o'clock because you've got two on the Sunday and one on the Monday. Fuck that, Mike. It's shit. It, 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 you know, okay, you get to watch it, but it, it, it sort of dilutes the competition a little bit and it drags the shit out of it and it sort of doesn't do that much for the competition and it almost makes it that tiered way and that because you're only you're who's playing in the in the live games it's most of the time it's not the shit teams like no it's it's very it's very biased towards the the top teams and and always like to be honest with you you talk about sky through the 90s like they were so biased towards united it was untrue like they 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 but there again i suppose they were what we are now so you can kind of in hand they 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 were they were fucking horses that were hitting the front at exactly the right time, yeah. and they ended up just joining forces. Really, Sir Alex Ferguson's Man United and and uh, Murdoch Sky and and Sky Sports. They were a match made in heaven. Like they really were. I mean, you think about that team as well. You know, it's a young manager at the time, Ferguson. It's a British manager. It's fucking kids. You know, this this legendary kids group of kids coming through. You know, the class of 92, whatever that, you know, Giggs, Skulls, Bud, Beckham, all of them. So it's perfect. You've got this, you know, it, it, again, it was a great time. So it worked for everyone. Everyone was into the idea of this Premier League, you know, foreign players come in, more money, better quality of football. You know, it was all yes, yes, yes. So why not? But uh, in the long run, because we've just sort of left it unchecked. And, you know, the money has been getting more and more and more and more for the top level. Obviously, the gap has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's it's completely skewed the game now. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what the new mutation of football will be in the new financial global world that we're going to face. Well, that's it. I mean, what kind of I mean, that's very difficult to discuss because we have no idea what that um what that world is going to be? Is it going to be semi-normal, or is it going to be a wasteland? Like, is it, you know, is it, you know, like, for example, you've you may need to, to to work on Mo Salah's contract. Just an example, Mo Salah's contracts maybe coming into its last year or two, eighteen months or whatever. And in this new climate, what money can you offer him? Does it does it have that impact on football? Can footballers I be think seen? It does. Can, can, and the other question is, can footballers be seen to be multi-millionaires while the rest of us are really going to have a hard time? Well, 
I so think will that money be there because the money is coming from the TV companies and will and they're paying for a product and very much part of that product is the whole fan and stadium experience and what they can broadcast. They're not going to pay that money to broadcast behind closed doors games with empty stadiums to to a far smaller audience because they can't afford their TVs. They're lucky if they have houses, never mind TVs and Sky. So if things go badly, the whole thing kind of falls apart anyway, I would imagine. You know, the question yeah. You know, the question is, what are the levels? If you can kick back into gear within a couple of months, then you can probably survive it. But if it goes, if it goes a season with nothing, then, then what? The market may need to reset itself because you're talking about, okay, so I don't know what I don't know what the economy is going to look like, but it's going to look a hell of a lot different than it does it did, you know, two months ago. So, how many people are going to have? Sky subscriptions or BT sports subscriptions after this, how much money are our advertisers going to be able to pay? Um, and that trickles down into football because the Premier League is what it is because of the TV money and the broadcasting rights. But they can only afford to pay what they're going to afford. And like you say, Chief, the, the product could be watered down as well. And ultimately, there's a whole pile of guys on massive contracts and stuff like that. And and those all contracts of a sudden, honored. <laughs> with exactly those contracts will need to be honored, you, you would expect. Yeah. But the fact is, it's every club in the world is going to be in the same position. So it's not like, oh, this club's gone bust, you know. The whole game could. The whole game probably will have to reset financially. It will have to find its financial equilibrium again because the... The contracts the players are on and the bonuses the players are on and, and what the TV companies have committed to for X amount of years, and that might be what saves them. But, you know, what do the TV companies do? Because they're going to be forking out for a product that less people are going to be, be watching and less people are going to be going to the pubs. And, you know, can, pub, can people pub, afford Sky anymore? Can people afford the subscriptions to watch it? That's it. That Can people afford their season tickets? Mm-hmm. You know? It's and even if they can afford their season tickets, do they feel comfortable about going somewhere where there are sixty thousand other people less than you know within inches of them, basically? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it'll hit the Premier League hardest because the Premier League is so extortionately expensive, both to watch and to and to um to go and to go and see, to watch on the TV and to, to go to the ground, you know. It's way, way above the, the European average, massively above the European average, particularly Germany. So when you're sucking all that money out of the out of the out of that, you know, enclosed economy of the Premier League, then it's gonna have a knock on effect. So you know, we, we just don't know. We don't know what it's gonna look like. We don't know it, it's certainly gonna affect the transfer market. You know, you will not see a world record transfer. You'll not see is it Neymar holds it? It is Neymar, isn't it? Yeah, 227. That won't won't be broken for decades. For decades, that won't be broken. There's a question mark here with some clubs, and this is a serious consideration. that Some some clubs may ask, can the financial fair play rules be relaxed? Or not with uh, Abu Dhabi. The answer might have to be yes. You know, uh, know, whoever 
wants to pump money into their clubs to keep it afloat and to pay their players' contracts and to compensate for the lower revenue streams that they were receiving before from like like what about all these all these little partnerships as well? You know, like Dunkin' Donuts and all this shit. How many do they have? How many of those are going to survive this? Are they going to be able to continue to commit to the same sort of long-term contracts and payments that they're, they're pumping into football for their endorsements? I don't know. So it's really, really strange. Liverpool have also put a lot of stock in, like, the projections on, and this is a really worrying thing for Liverpool, actually. The, the Nike strategy is based on percentage of margins. So essentially the more the more products are sold, the better the better off. It's less of an up less of a, a an upfront payment from, from Nike as opposed to a percentage of what merchandise is sold. There's gonna be a hell of a lot merchant a hell of a lot less merchandise sold now in the next three or four years than there would have been two months ago. So how does that affect Liverpool? That's a question that you know will probably take a few years to be answered, but that's going to alter how we operate drastically. Anything that's based yep. on the future, anything that's based yep. on future projections is completely fucked because all the projections, if they've been worked out in advance of the coronavirus situation and signed off on for X number of years, are going to be widely higher than the, than the reality now as people have to and- tighten their belts. And that's how football works. That's how, that's how transfers are made. Transfers are, transfer fees are paid over two and three years now, you know? So it'd be interesting to see. I think I don't think you'll see any movement now this summer. No, I wouldn't say so. Or you no. might see, you, you'll see players going cheaply just to try and plug holes. It'll be like a fire seal potentially for some clubs just, see players to, just to stay players afloat. Well, well, here, do you know, do you know what is... Uh, the only football you could, thing you could you, you could get players having to be sold literally just to get their wages off their books. That's the sort of thing that might you might see start to happen. It's impossible well, to predict it, and I'm kind of looking at you know semi worst case scenario. Uh, you know the the bits and pieces of of football news that I'm seeing at the moment. Uh, you're talking about transfers. Neymar's trying to get from Paris Saint Germain to Barcelona as priority, and. Like oh, they're talking 130 million. Does 130 million even exist at the other end of this? You know, that's there's a club. It's a, that's a club. It's a big, big trouble. Barcelona have their money problems. Look, look. Do you know? Look, even even you know, without coronavirus, how did Barcelona afford this? You know, Barcelona have a Barcelona have a massive get out clause here, a massive get out clause that could make yeah. them the strongest club in the world after this. Get rid of Messi if they can. Was well, just offloading for a large fee, but, but you know what that looks like. The, 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 or probably just get his wages off the books. You mean just get get his wages off the books? Get his wages off the books. Paris Saint Germain can probably could probably carry him, no problem. But Messi he doesn't gets, want to be. But look, who who other than Man City? Buys Messi. Buys Messi. You're talking about no getting one. Messi up. It's but, not about buying Messi. It's about paying Messi. Yeah, and and why would why yeah. would Messi? Why would Messi move at this moment in time? I think he's 18... No, yeah, 18 months. End of this season, he'll have a year, and he can walk at, at the end of this season, I'm led to believe as well. He can walk at the end of every season, apparently. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's his contract. He can walk at the end of any season if he wants to. fact remains that he doesn't really need the money. He's not going to fucking starve. But 
if Barcelona can get Barcelona, I think will need to get him off their books before they recover from this. I can't see that happening, Dave. Probably not this season. Probably not this season. But what this is, I mean, we're talking about big clubs here. We're talking about super clubs, and and you know, there that's where all the glamour is. So you know, obviously, um, that's naturally where where we're going to focus. But what this could do for for grassroots football for lower down the leagues is could decimate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How, how many leagues will actually be left that could be considered professional? There could many? be a downgrading of leagues to, oh, yeah. to, to semi-professional leagues. Absolutely. So many clubs will fold. With this, like, I mean, the, the ones, plenty of them rely on their on their weekly gates, like. and um, But Nate, it shows you how close to the seat of, seat of our pants football has been for X amount of years. And, and, and and not just football, you're talking airlines. Like you, you, British Airways looking to bail out, Virgin looking to bail out. How fucking close to the edge do these, these companies run? Dave, it's not a surprise. It's no. Their way of life is based on debt. It's based yep. on it's based on being one paycheck away from being homeless. That That's how we are. You know, that that's the system. That's what we've been forced into. It's not it's not our choice, really. It's what's been foisted upon us. We work in arrears. We do a month's work. Uh, and then afterwards we get paid. We don't get paid first, you know. So that's how it works. And we're in that situation. We're in that situation now because we've no insurance policies. When shit really hits the fan, when everyone gets affected at once, there's nothing to. There's no safety net, really. Um, so that's what's the worrying thing. You know, you can any business and, and football clubs included can can probably. Hopefully, just about survive a few weeks like this, but a, a longer shutdown, you know, um, not being able to open up to the public, not being able to sell tickets, not being able to play, it's it's not viable. For, for example, what what would Liverpool's gate receipts be with the that new stadium and everything, the new the extra seat and whatnot? Like you're talking in excess of a million, uh, excess of a million per per per, per home tie, wouldn't you? But again, that's not a massive issue because most of those seats will be taken up with the season ticket sales. So we'll not actually be losing out there, not specifically at but, this but do, time. But do you not have to ref- Yeah, but but if, for example, the game goes ahead behind closed doors and you have a ticket. For example, there, my young lad was meant to have been the Crystal Palace game uh, yesterday. Um, there's no refund or offered in a ticket or anything at the moment. I, I, I don't know how this is going to work. So do season tickets, will, will there at some point be um, re- refunds on tickets when, when we realise? Obviously, they're, they're maybe thinking that game goes ahead. People who have that ticket, oh, no, no, you can't because they'll be behind closed doors. I'm, I'm, we don't know. This is, but this is the thing. Nobody we knows. We don't know if it will be. We don't know when it will be. We don't know how it will be. We just don't know. So, so, uh, so that's why they're hanging fire in the refunds so until such times as they do know. It's pending. It's pending. Everything's pending. Life is pending at the minute. And well, like, what we, I do know, what I do know is um, Champions League tickets for. I, I know someone who had tickets for um, the game Barcelona against Napoli in Spain, and they recently, in the last couple of days, got an email regarding a refund initially it was like we don't know what's happening with regards a refund you know so she's she's yeah, have you seen the plans for the premier league neil or for the for the champions league it's absolutely nuts uh one game neutral venues 
but you're moving people, you know, regardless, if it's a neutral venue, you're going to have to move two teams from two countries. And that, to me, is just an unacceptable risk at the moment. Um, and probably still will be an unacceptable risk. Um, if, for, for example, Inter Milan are in there, did, did, you know, would anybody have confidence? And absolutely no, no, don't mean anything bad towards towards Italy or anything, but just given that it's the epicenter of all of this, would you feel confident about playing against a team from Italy until you really know that this is this is done and dusted? Well, that's that's a big question, really, isn't it? Who does feel comfortable, and and how long does it take? And therefore, if it if it's in people's minds like that, like it is in your mind, how long the the chances of this just being a few weeks are pretty fucking slim. Yeah, because you you know it's 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 basically an international tournament. You know, it's all albeit it's Europe, but you know you're traveling to, to to different countries to put to play your games and so on. And that's the end my, of the day, it, it is everywhere. So I mean, uh-huh. you know, but, it's but you know what I mean. Your national your national league. If you have if you have your government has this far. It's like you know Germany there have have, have seem to have things pretty well under control. Um, and you know if you have. The position where you say, well, "Yeah, well, well, maybe we'll start football again." That's okay. You're within your own borders. So, even for next season, if if we're saying, you know, we can start, well, hypothetically, we we finish this season the way they're talking about the festival of football, no fans, blah blah blah. Then we start next season. Is it even a viable option to think about Champions League even taking place because well, of that? What we're saying that this Corona fucking virus is. The end of travel, like we're just all condemned. Well, this is it. We're 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 so used to football running around doing whatever the fuck we it wants to do in whatever way they want to do and screwing people over every way, fucking which way they can. But this will be the first time that football has to fucking abide by somebody else's rules. Well, this is about life. I mean, coronavirus is is now unfortunately having an impact on on everything. So. You know what you're asking is is a perfectly valid question. Like, I mean, Dave, what you're asking is like, do we do we, is the Champions League viable next season? Yeah, the absolutely. Question, the question is is totally valid, but the question is deeper than is the Champions League viable. The question is, are we saying that potentially there will be no international travel for another year or more? Or longer, and well, do we well, here's the thing. I, I'm sitting at the moment. I have two flights. Um, my my flight's out of here on the 14th of May. I've pretty much come to the conclusion there's no fucking way on this earth I'm getting on them. Um, I've already lost a fortune in uh, hotels for you know Liverpool for the uh, the uh, victory parade that was meant to be taking place. I'd, I'd I'd covered all my bases to get to that. I've lost all of that. Nobody's offering me refunds or or anything on that. Um, so. Uh, could you could, could you know you're talking about international travel? Would you have the confidence to do it? Um, you know we're talking about hotels being closed. So 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 I'm what I'm saying is, for example, you in Germany get things under control and and you reach a point where you, where, where your government feels comfortable to let football start, maybe in empty stadiums, but to give people stuck at home something to watch, something to, to, to follow, something to get behind, a bit of good news, because it'll reach that if, if, if we're in for a couple of months. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're only in a couple of days at the minute, Neil. If you wind that forward a month, stadium or stadiums without fans might just not matter, just for fucking something to break the fucking monotony, you know what I mean? But if you're able to continue your own league within your own borders and continue it on, um, that's fine, but would you want to send those teams to maybe other places that don't have it 
um, or, or that you don't know. You know, you don't know the workings of that government. And you, you, do you want to send and risk sending your your teams and your people to those other places? I think there'll be a massive curtailment of movement. I don't know. I mean, I think you're right, but I, I don't really like that thought, to be honest, because freedom of movement has been such I, a... I, I, I don't like being locked in a house, Neil, but that's where, you know... The, the, but the, that, unfortunately, the, looks like it's going to be a byproduct. This of, is our world. You know, this is our world. An event. Um, it is now the world in which we, we seem to be faced, um, or with which we seem to be faced. So I don't know. I, I mean, I can't really tell. I'm just kind of hopeful that things get back to what we thought of as normal a month ago, but that's, you know, probably um, a little fanciful. You know, it probably is going to be different. It's, everything boils down to how long this, this situation lasts and, and how serious it gets. You know, obviously we, we, we don't really know whether we're in the middle of it, at the very start of it, if it's going to develop and get much worse, or if it's going to turn out to not be as bad as, as all the as a lot of the sort of panic sort of game of Game of Thrones feel to it as well. Neil, you know, coronavirus is coming; it's no. not even started yet, and it's fucking terrifying. Like, yeah, but we don't know the truth of it. We don't really know the truth of it. We're all sitting here, and the, the, I suppose the big truth of coronavirus is that actually everything else that's happening in the world is is going unnoticed which is the big worry uh, because you know it's not like everything else has just stopped there's loads of stuff happening that we're not hearing uh, about at all so how the world looks at the end of it all is really the question and where football fits into that will be um will will it matter do you think well that's the question it remains to be seen if you know if we're talking about a world in which you're basically a prisoner in your own home um then potentially football might drop to the bottom of your list of priorities, um, you know, maybe regaining some kind of semblance of, of freedom in life might be might be up there. Um, but if it is just something that you, we can get through and find a vaccine and, you know, everything gets back to a semblance of normality with a few um, changes, obviously, then, even then, even yeah. vaccines, you know, look, they're they're given different cocktails and whatnot at the minute, and I'm trying to find the way. And and look, there's no doubt they will, but then those need to be trialed and uh, and different business pieces. So you are looking, I would say, you know, when they, when they find something to think is is a success against this as as an antivirus, uh, certainly I I would imagine a period of testing of maybe two or three months before they're they're certain because they could be nice. fucking injecting you, they could be injecting you with with something worse, you know? Oh, absolutely. But sure, that's at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the panic, isn't it? And, you know, the real story about this coronavirus, you know, if, if, if you if you give someone a vaccine, it's a, got a placebo effect, you know? Um, so you, you quell the panic. But um, and the, big, the other big thing about this COVID or whatever is that, you know, the whole point of it is they don't want everybody to get it at the same time. So with a bit of luck, they'll, they'll kind of slow down the, infection rates and they'll be able to the health services will you know um but the problem is we don't know they don't know we don't know nobody fucking so one story wakey, tells, Dave. <laughs> one story tells you it's dead serious and one story tells you it's not that bad so <clears throat> who knows obviously um here they've only in germany they've only closed things down until april the 19th i think the premier league is only officially suspended until the 4th is that right yeah that's right 
um, so. potentially, as it stands today, potentially we play City that weekend. So there you go. As the as it stands today, it's only postponed for another fortnight. We shall see. I mean, the, the whole point about this uh, virus is that it's got this two week incubation period, doesn't it? And Germany, for example, is locked down pretty much, not completely, not not like France military style or anything, but it's basically the the chancellor's been on and advised the uh, the population to stay at home, to only go out for necessary things and, and maybe to take a walk or whatever so you don't go mad, but to keep your distance from people and everything's closed and no bars, no restaurants, no uh, gyms, nothing, no cafes, no coffee shops, fuck all, basically everything is, is absolutely closed. So that's really been properly in effect probably since Monday. So if you give that two weeks, and after that period of time, if the number of infections has started to go down, then you then you say, well, okay, well, this is working. And if you can get to that point, then, you know, you're over the hump. And if that's the case, then things can start to gradually reopen again, bit by bit, and life can gradually return to normal. But if, on the other hand, you get to that point and the number of infections is still going up, then you go, then you're a bit fucked because you're, um, but- you know... You're, you're, I think the projection, Neil, is that, you know, look, I think we could all pretty much agree on it. I don't see us playing City on the, on the 6th of April. You know what I mean? I really don't. And I, I just, as we sit today, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. But what they're talking about, and certainly I, I'm not I'm not following an awful lot of, of, of sport at the moment. I, I just do the barest minimum just to see what, what's going on. And there is no the, sport, Dave. Sports no, cancelled, mate. I know, but, you know, yeah. what, what's oh, in the media but, around sport um, and, and, you know, the resolution of this and so on, there was a bit bits and pieces. And, and, and the sense that I that I read from it, Dave, is that it'll be, it'll, it'll be June, this festival of football they're talking about would, would, would be, which is like, Sort of, you know, or in March, you know, so three months, you know, and, and we talk about what, what happened in Wuhan and, and, you know, they seem to, to well, well, we don't know, but it appears, as you say, that uh, industry is coming back and, 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 you know, life is basically coming back to some kind of, of, of structure there. Um, so maybe June is a possibility, but I don't see April. No, I think... April's April is optimistic. April's 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 the moon. Do you know? April's the moon. There's there's just no way we're. I don't think we see football this side this side of July. To be honest, I genuinely don't. Because what you have to remember, it's this is about this is about every country in the world shutting this down. You know, this is about. It's not. It's not like okay. If the UK get this sorted out, then we can just stick a Premier League back on. There's massive, massive issues that still need to be resolved around around that. Um, and you're talking about you know travel for one. Um, Champions League, it certainly won't be able to unless it's going to and from countries that are um, you know, all back to ground zero again. But you know, you're you're relying on the entire world sorting out at the same time, and that's that's not going to happen because different countries are dealing with, dealing with it in different ways and there's different demographics, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, I, it's it's I don't know what's going to happen with football. I don't know, and a solution. I think even talking about a solution now is stupid because 
who would have thought we would have been here four weeks ago? Like, remember what we were doing four you weeks ago? You and I ago? were laughing about it. We were making light of it, Dave, whenever ever. You know, it was like, uh, you know, you feel kind of stupid about it now. That, four, weeks you know, ago, we, this was, four weeks ago, this was a science fiction film. Yeah. And, you know? And, and that, but that's, that, honestly, that's what it feels like here today to me. It's like, oh, there's the first movement in this street today. There's a motorbike. Uh, you know, it, it, it feels like you're watching a movie, you know what I mean? Because all you're doing, and, and, and like, I, I, for a couple of days, as, as you and I know, because we, 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 we send each other messages most days, and we were kind of laughing, and then all of a sudden the shit got serious. No shit got really, really serious overnight, and it, it's almost like living in a movie. And and you're watching all these doomsday things, and it's like everything you've seen in Hollywood. It, 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 it's horrible. Like, yeah. So look, it, it's football. You know, if that's where you are four weeks ago, are we going to be four weeks from now? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You know, the head of Premier League doesn't fucking know anyway. I can tell you that much. Neither does. Infantino, none of these fuckers know. The scientists don't know. You know, the virologists don't know. Doctors don't know, for God's no, sake. Nobody knows. Yeah. No one fucking knows. So for people to be planning about, oh, what we do here and here's how it's it's a fucking it's it's a waste of time and energy. Uh, only until we start to see a curtailment of infection rate and death rate can we start to think about when we could restart the season again. And depending on what that date is will have a massive impact on what the best solution is for any particular time. You know, do you, and, see, and that's, do you see any big, do you, do you see any sort of like Premier League level clubs going under through this, Dave? Premier League level clubs? Um, you know, because we're, we're talking about like the world has lived in its, by the seat of its pants financially. Um, and, and we know that teams invest heavily to stay in the Premier League. That's their goal. They'll bust a bank to do that. So that sounds to me pretty much like city or pants. I'd be really interested to see how this is going to affect Spurs. Um, Spurs, you reckon? I don't know. I just think with the new stadium, mm. you know, how many season tickets were they expecting to sell over the next five years to keep them to where they need to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know, casts. Yeah, what are all those forecasts looking right based around that stadium? Because, listen, as you said, 100% right earlier on, Chief, they did not sit and hoard away fucking oodles of cash in some giant safe somewhere to be able to to be able to buy the stadium and, and go, oh, yeah, look, now we've got enough money to build a new stadium. Let's go and buy it all and pay for it all. No, 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 no. And don't, don't, don't get me wrong, Dave. All of that was structured in yesterday's world, not today's. But yeah, well, that's what I mean. They didn't go buy a stadium with cash, you know. This is bought on, this is bought on the projections of how much additional revenue stream the stadium would bring in. And if it's not going to bring in the same revenue stream as it did before, then I'd be really interested to see how it affects them. I think you'll find teams like Norwich will probably do well from this. Um, they came up, they got their big, massive Premier League paycheck. They'll get their parachute payments. They've hardly spent a fucking penny. Yeah, they, they, they didn't really. They didn't really invest that heavily in the squad. No, they'll probably sell some players. If Villa end up going down, fuck, I think they're in big, big, big trouble. You know, it's it's these sorts of teams that spend kind of beyond yeah. their means and are looking to the next TV deal in order to sort out whatever niggling financial problems they have in the background and you know. 
if that next TV deal doesn't come, then all of a sudden the financial health of the club looks very, very different. As I said, I don't, I don't think I don't think bigger clubs are insulated from this. Um, well, I you don't know, know who else. Like, um, you, you, you make a point about Spurs. You know, they, they don't have the global aspect the same way as United or Liverpool. You know what I mean? City are okay because basically they've got a state behind them that they should be fine. Um, if they didn't have that behind them, they might be in difficulty. It just depends how it all pans out. But the longer this goes on, and if, if, if clubs have to end up refunding season tickets and refunding uh, tickets to games because there there's, there'll be no crowd there, I, I, I see it as a possibility that, that, that a Premier League club could, could go under. Well, they're talking about having to refund TV money if the fixtures don't get fulfilled. Well, that's, that's gonna that would be a big that'd be a massive issue if they have to refund because that money spent. Of no course, mistake. it is. That money is gone. That and Aston Villa spent that on on Samada, you know, and whoever else they've signed to, to try and keep them in the in the division. So if they have to suddenly go back and pay twenty million quid back. Or thirty million or forty million back in 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 TV money due to un, you know unfulfilled fixtures or something like that. Then you know that that's where big problems begin to arise. And then the next TV deal then is obviously structured in such a way that there are insurance policies and such against things like that happening, which would have previously never have been in there. So there are all kinds of get-out clauses and, and, and kind of fail-safes written into the next contract. And, you know, as we said earlier, the, the, the product becomes a little diluted. You know, it, it can affect every single aspect, really, of the game. Do, do foreign players, uh, you know, in the quotation marks, decide that they'd rather be closer to home? If there's the idea that borders are going to be closed and it's not so easy to... Um, you know, uh, to to apply your trade to work in another country, it's not so easy to get a work permit or a visa or whatever. I mean, these days, it's hard for people to remember or imagine that, you know, in the 1970s, the early 1980s, it was, and in fact, all the way through the 1980s, it was practically unheard of to have foreigners again, quote unquote. In in the first division, I mean, there were there was the odd one. There was Artiles and and Ricky Villa. There were um, Arnold Muren. Uh, another one that, that yeah, was, we had we had. There was a spl- let's say there was a splattering of them across yeah, the first division, yeah. but fine scattering. Like I like I remember when when Rude Hood had signed for Chelsea, I nearly shit my pants. At mid nineties, that's mid nineties. That's you know exactly. I mean, you're looking at. I mean, a foreigner was considered an Irishman in the 1980s. <laughs> Literally, you know, you had. Well, the they were Irish. Irish and Scotsmen were considered foreigners if foreigner. they were playing for Liverpool in European competition. Yep, and you had the rule only for you were only allowed four foreigners, quote unquote, in your team uh, to play in European competition. Obviously, that all changed then with the you know. The way things opened up in the European Union and freedom of movement and conventional human rights and so on—that's that, a good thing. But you know, you could 
what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is there was much less um, traveling in football. Yet the big players went gravitated towards the big league, which at that time was Serie A. But in general, when you went to Germany and watched the Bundesliga, it was mostly Germans. When you were in England watching the first division, it was mostly English and you know the odd Scots and Irish as well. Um, Welsh, Welsh as well, of course, and. Um, you know, the same thing could be said as you went around Europe, you would find, and, and around the world, you would find players playing in those leagues from those those, those countries. Um, you may find that that becomes more of an issue now. Players are, are keener to stay at home with with fears about, you know, the future in general, whether they'll be able to travel, whether be, you know, whether borders will be closed and, and, and so on. Um you might see, like you mentioned earlier, with the Champions League, you know, is it viable to have it? If it does, if if, if it does, you know, if it isn't viable, then it drops away. Then do the domestic cup competitions suddenly have a resurgence and become much more important again? Um, you know, provided that football can go ahead and and life can return pretty much to normal within within borders at least. Do the domestic competitions? You know, do you get do you get a return to like 1980s style FA Cup ties with you know packed stadium and raucous atmosphere and end to end stuff? I, I honestly need I I could see maybe a season or two of that. You know, the, the domestic trophies maybe in the absence of a Champions League, but if, if you know maybe next season, if the confidence isn't there to be to to, to have freedom of travel confidently, um. To be reassured in traveling, even I'm talking for the players. I'm not even talking about for fans traveling. I'm just talking about the movement of the, those players. You know that 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 actually could be a thing because it'll, it, the FA Cup will then be those extra fillers for you, um, and you know you haven't got the big trophy of the European Cup to play for. And uh, I don't know another thing. We'll we'll probably get to keep it for two seasons. <laughs> That's the way it's doing. Well, the, the, I think the FA Cup lost its value as much because you, do you remember you, you used to only have like three English teams that played in Europe. Yeah, you used to have cup, win- cup winners cup. You had one in the UEFA and you had one in the yeah. European Cup. You had the first place team, the first place team in the European Cup, European second Cup, in the, second place team in the UEFA Cup, FA and Cup winners and Cup winners. FA Cup winners in the Cup Winners Cup, and that was it. So it wasn't like half the league is all vying for European trophy or playing European football anymore. Do you know what I mean? That was so. So that would be a swing round. Yeah, 100%. Not only would you not have the European competition, you would also have no race for the top four. Yeah. Because there, there would be no need to get in the top four. Obviously, you would just have a race for the title, which is very much what it used to be. Nobody gave a shit about coming third, fourth. Nobody cared that those places didn't matter. No, they didn't. No. You and just, you know uh, something? That's, got, that's going to sound a bit, a bit weird. You know, we have gone on about, on this pod, like we've gone on about, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the devaluing of the FA Cup and, and how little the prize money is. That could be its fucking saviour. That could be the saviour of the whole thing because they're not shelling out billions. They're only you know, that's one point six million to win to win the domestic cup. I think it's even under a million to win the league cup. So they yeah, have they haven't yeah. sold out to that big big money, if you know what I mean. So they could be the survivors and all this. Yeah. What do the FA even really preside over apart from the national team in the FA Cup? Because they're not responsible for 
like the championship or League One or League Two. Sure, they're not because that's like the football league. I don't know. I don't know what the FA. I thought the FA was the the political governing body of football in England. That's what it used to be anyway. But obviously, yeah, but it's not anymore because the Premier League own the Premier League, so they don't. They have no influence over what happens in the Premier League. The politics, who administers like the laws of, of the game. So the FA can't tell the Premier League what to do, can they? No. no. So who can they tell what to do? Well, that's what I mean. I don't think they actually what preside the over of, anything. What is the point of them? I don't yeah. know. Because they're just, because they're sir, such and such fucking ball bag who sits up there and, you know, it looks good beside his name and he's able to tell all his fucking posh twat friends drinking fucking port in some arsehole's mansion that he sits on the fucking FA board. That's what? What, 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 what? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? I can see you're highly impressed with these individuals, David. <laughs> I mean, they're all a bunch of fucking, they're all a bunch of fucking prehistoric bellends. They don't understand the game. They don't understand how the game has been modernised. They never give a fuck about the game in the first place because to them, this is a working man's sport and it's fucking beneath them. And because it's fashionable now, you know, they decided to get on board. You know, well, fuck that, mate. So I'm not interested in anything that they have to do. And, you know, they're responsible for the national team because, oh, yes, I represent my country, old boy, you know. Oh, fuck you as well, man. So it's... But that's another thing. National? And you can tell the national team's been a fucking disgrace for years, and that's why you know wrong manager after wrong manager after wrong manager, and that was all. That's always been the way. Like, wh- why the fuck Brian Clough yeah, was I never think, England I think manager? For me, that that they think that they're right, so right every time the I FA, and, and, it, and this is going back decades. It's not just it a, it's not something that's that's crept along. It, this has been going on for decades. They believe that number one, that you know we invented the game, so therefore. We know better than you. Sure, look at look at how long we look at how long English football resisted the European model. Resisted, you know, they stuck with a four four two. They weren't they weren't interested in any other tactics. They weren't interested. This is the way we play the game, and they were getting fucking hosed in Europe. And whenever whenever we had the break from Europe and went back, we were fucking like dinosaurs coming onto that stage. You know, the European teams were miles in front of us. It took us about two or three seasons to fucking cop on because we were still playing fucking 60s, 70s, 80s football. Remember United getting destroyed by Stoichkov's Barcelona? Yeah. He got thumped 4-0, didn't they? In the new camp, they got absolutely turned over. Yeah, Romario played for that team as well, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that, was a, fan, that was a fantastic Barcelona. And, and that, that was your, that was Dwight York Cole. No. No, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was way before that, man. It was huge. It was huge. It? Oh, it, it was huge and McClare and fucking Wait, Bruce and Erwin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Bruce and Pallister and fucking yeah. all those boys. That was but who they, it was. They, you know, they, they were coming from, we were, we were watching them as, I was watching them as a like 14 year old and they were tearing it up. They've just won the Premier League for, I guess, the second time. And, Back to back, and I think Cantona was in that United team. I'm pretty sure he was. He would have been, for, se- he for seven seasons, they had been playing insular football, insulated football, because they had no contact with with That's what was happening around they, Europe. Against this this cosmopolitan, polished Barcelona side that just destroyed them, it just tore them to shreds, just opened them up at will, and they, you know, four four. Flattered United 
it could have been a lot more. Um, yeah, well, they say the football is a global sport now, but it actually globalised around Europe without England and left England behind. Totally. Absolutely. England caught up because of the money. Yeah. Simple. All, all, the, all the, the top league in the 80s was, was Serie A. There's no getting away from that. You know, you had, you had the and three. 90s. And the 90s. It, went, yeah. it, was, the it 90s. was about 15 years, Neil, I would say. It was a decade and a half that they were just. It have been probably about, what, about 83 to 98, something like that. And yeah. I remember, oh. like whenever, whenever Gazetta Italia even, came on, came even on the television, even in fact, even early two thousands, because it was, wasn't it like two thousand three? Was it? Was well, it's it probably La Liga? You're looking at just around about two thousand, aren't you? Because you've got Valencia winning the Champions League, you've got Real Madrid winning the Champions League. Yeah, Man. but even still, you're still getting AC Milan. AC, was it AC Milan Juventus on penalties in 2003 at Old Trafford? Yeah, you're right. And then AC Milan against us in 2005. And 2007. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but what happened to Serie A? Serie A flew too close to the sun. Serie A had had um, had dropped off a little bit. We had Veron by that point at, at United, and you know the big big names were already starting to make that move for the money to. Um, England and actually, I think Serie A hit the buffers, didn't it? Around about two thousand and three, two thousand and two, wasn't it? Lazio. It was to do with yeah. the car. It was to do with the car companies because all those, all the big Italian teams were were owned by the car Parmalat companies as well, didn't they? Parmalat went down. The Italian economy yeah. went down. There was all the corruption. There was Calcio Poli. All that was around that time, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, and there was fucking yeah, Caltropoli was there too, and fucking you were looking at Juventus getting relegated and shit like that, and you know all this mad stuff going on. And I remember Lazio paying something like thirty million for Mendieta, and it, it didn't work out, and you know they were in masses of debt because they were just spending ridiculous amounts of money on players and big contracts and not winning, and yeah, pretty much what what the Premier League. Has done kind of on and off, but you're right, Dave. They, they did fly too close to the sun, and and the Premier League's been doing the same. And I think everyone's been saying for a long time, you know, this is crazy, this is mad. The bubble has to burst at some point. None of us could see how the bubble was going to burst, but this looks like but, it could. But, but be they, you know, you, you were talking about them flying too close to the sun, but they were flying too close to the sun when the game wasn't globalized the same. The problem is now that the whole game flies close to the sun. I think that's. That's that's the essence and spirit of what we're what we're we're discussing here. Is yeah. The whole, uh, the whole. Everything like, is linked now. Everything depends yeah. on the next thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it was when when Italy went down the tubes. You know, Syria and the or the Liga and the Premier League were waiting to capitalise. Whereas, in this scenario, this is going to affect every league in the same there way. There are winners. Yeah. There are. You know. No, there's nobody's gonna capitalize. Yeah, there's no one's gonna capitalize. It's it's not like oh, oh, uh, Liverpool can't pay Mo Salah the same amount they were before because of fucking coronavirus. So I'll go to Real Madrid. Oh no, wait, that's right. It was in. Oh no, wait, actually, it was all over the world as well. So actually, there's no point in me going anywhere because it's not like somewhere else can pay me more. You know, it's that type of scenario. But see, getting back to even like I've forgotten how. Dominant Serie A was. If you remember, like oh, Dave, Dave, some of the nil nils were some of the best spectacles I ever watched in football. They were tactical masterclasses. 
But if you even think of like the best players in the world, like the best players in the world all went to Syria. And I'm not. Saddam was at Juventus, you know. Best Real Ronaldo at Inter. Uh, Buffon was the, the most expensive goalkeeper in the world for how long? Do you know what I mean? Um, Shevchenko, even you go back to, you know, you know, Platini, Van Basten, Hulet, Rijkaard, all everybody who was anybody. Maradona, Zico, Mar- uh, exactly. Dunga, you name them. Anybody who lifted a World Cup, any any player that ever lifted a World Cup <laughs> fucking was was playing in Italy. Zico, Zico was the like the second best player in the world, was he? And he went uh, to you, play he for, went to Nazi, which was really Nazi? unfashionable. Yeah. They're like a fucking team out in the fucking out, they're, like, they're like a farm. But, but I like, saw him. I saw him actually interviewed about this on, on Brazilian television, Dave. And and he said, you know, like Flamengo were, were were you know the world of football at that stage was was pretty comparable. And Flamengo were paying him pretty well. But he went, Jesus Christ, it was like ten times the wages I had to go. You know, even though it wasn't unfashionable, it was ten times. This was his retirement. He was looking at. Yeah. This was the day was like, before millionaires. You know what I mean. Yeah, but that was how dominant Syria as a league were that Udinese were able to go and do that. You yeah, know, look at the Premier League—that's what the Premier League has become. Exactly. You look, you look at the likes of who fucking Stoke or Sunderland were able to sign because they had the bucks. Someone would turn up there, or you know, suddenly Man City are signing Robinho from nowhere. Like, you know, Man City now, everyone looks at them, oh, they're a big club, they're a big club. When they signed Robinho, sorry, they're not. Yeah, well, exactly. He didn't the, even know where he was going. He thought he was going to United. Look at them <laughs> as if they were. But it's just money that's made them like that. Money from nowhere. It is one of those things where you wonder what, you know, how this is, what what the overall effect is going to be on the Premier League. And, you know, maybe in some ways, you know, it is going well, to Rabin, Wasn't Rabinho under the Thai guy, the Thai president or something? Like, they've they've had some... some the Peter Swales, who uh, like, used to be the owner for years and years, and he was a... He was a he was a dodgy character to begin with, uh, and and then like what, I forget who came in, but then it was that the ties came in and bought City, and and they were meant to they were meant to be lifted up, and then it was the uh, you know uh, what is it Abu Dhabi t- came in, but even even with that injection of money, and 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 it took them ten years basically to 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 be relevant. You know, they, they they ran about saying they were the richest club in the world for for long enough, and and look, you know, they were still being managed by Mark Hughes and 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 things like that, and Stuart Pearce. But you know, they didn't have and as Sven. they are and Sven Goran Eriksson. How could we ever forget him? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, ter- the terror of the ladies. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but it took them a long time to become real, and then the, the Ranieri as well. It took it's a big transition period for for a, a non historical traditional big European club to make that step up. Will it be any easier in this climate? I, I, I don't think so because, you, you know, whatever happens will, will be relative. Um, you know, if, if you know, Dave's talking about Mo Salah maybe not being able to get the same bucks off Liverpool, but he'll not get them anywhere. Yeah, I suppose you're right. There, there is. But that. my fear, my fear would be that City end up as you, as was alluded to in our earlier conversation, that FFP gets scrapped, and if FFP gets scrapped, it's a, it's a fucking tide of, of 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 light blue from here on in. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be loath to scrap FFP just straight off the bat. I mean, they'll wait and see. It's down to that old chestnut of how long this goes on for. They might be forced to if it carries on for 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 long a longer period then. As was mentioned earlier, they might be forced to just to allow people to come in and save clubs. 
Yeah, and and you know, like we saw, like Serie A did did suffer really, but it went from from the premier product to to you know, and, and as Dave's alluded the to, like, of, of Europe, really, yeah. the the league that nobody wanted to watch and people actually almost laughed at. Yeah, and and that, that was terribly sad because, like the nineties for me was all about you know before Sky Channel Four in the UK were, were were giving us the live games from Italy and they really they they were they were out, they were miles ahead technically everything was much 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 better than what we were watching. I mean, hundred percent. You think of if you think of Serie A in nineteen. 19- 88 say when the European Championships happen or even in 1990 when the when the World Cup happens you've got the like still Maradona there you know you've got Maradona at Napoli you've got you've got Van Basten and, and Hullet and Rijkaard at, at AC Milan you've got the three Germans at Fiorentina yeah the three Germans Klinsmann at Inter you know Bremen or Bremen and, and Voller you know you or Matthias was there as well you've got a plethora of stars just dotted all around, but it's you know you, they've never they've never fully recovered. When I was growing up, all of the top Italian teams were, were huge: Inter Milan, AC Milan, um, Juve, Nap- Napoli were big in the eighties, of course, although not traditionally. Roma, Roma, Lazio, Milan, all, they were all strong. Sampdoria won the league in the nineties. Sa- Sampdoria Am- were in a European Am- Cup final. Yeah. You know, you know, and see, when you were saying Viali, Lombardo, Mancini, yeah, and when you're saying there in the nineties, chief, you know, that was right after Italian ninety, and they just built all these new stadiums for the World Cup as well. So it it looked great, you know, it looked great. The TV, the stands were always full, and that was when you know you didn't even really see live football in the UK because, like, when I was that age, we didn't have Sky TV. That was for the fucking rich people. When Sky first came out, well, it was even before that as well, Dave. It was before Sky well, well, that we well, were was, getting. Yeah, it was. We yeah, hundred percent. It was before Sky, but uh, it wasn't long before Sky because I think their first season was the first season Gascoigne was there, you know, and that was the season after. Well, that was the World Cup. That was ninety. That was yeah. ninety, wasn't it? Because they bought him. Sky. I mean, Italian ninety was the the last. World Cup, the last example of what football was. Real World Cup. Yeah, real World Cup. I what, agree with what you. What football was before before you know, before the back pass rule got changed, before the offside rule and, got changed. Before Premier League came in, before the offside rule got changed. It was basically the last uh, example of football that had been from about nineteen you know, the, the post war up until yeah. up until that time. And that was a watershed. After that, 1991, things it all changed. It began. It, it began to become a, a different game, slowly, 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 to the game that it is today. But that was the that, that was could, the injection. That was the global injection of money. Neil that did that. Uh, you know, while, while the one while there was one league, Serie A, was holding all the cards financially. That you know, the Premier League then suddenly opened up to to televise games, and, and I think. It, it, it was a domino effect around Europe. And then they all of a sudden, special. I mean, the Premier League—they could people couldn't imagine it now. Kids couldn't imagine it now. Even twenty-year-olds, no. thirty-year-olds couldn't imagine it now. Life without live football every week. What? You know. Well, I, I'm sitting here. I don't know what day of the fuck a week it is anymore without live football. You know, and and look. I remember having. I remember having to sit in the barn. I'm sure you used to too on a Saturday afternoon. You know. Maybe come back from the match, come back from McLean's match or whatever, and you'd be sitting 
And maybe somebody have a radio that, and they would tell you some of the scores, whether Liverpool were winning or not. And then you get back to the get back to the bar and you have to wait on the news to tell you what the scores were. Or they would have on the TV up in the corner, they would have the fucking teletext going. Teletext, that's it. The teletext. And teletext and it was, was like 20 minutes behind the game. Yeah, it must it, be said. Uh, and it would flick through all the leagues and you'd only get like four fixtures per screen as it flicked through them all. And it would tell you, and to see if there was games that was loads of goals, you'd maybe only get two fixtures because it would have to tell you all the fucking goal scores too. And it's ridiculous, like luminous highlighter pen, something sky blue. Uh, uh, th- uh, 30, sec- 30 seconds per screen. So it could be five minutes to even get your latest score, which oh, was 20 it, minutes behind what was uh, going on. It would take you five minutes, five minutes to get through just, just the first division. I mean, you know what I mean? You go if you're going way back. One of the biggest frustrations of watching live football on television, whenever there was ever a live game, was they didn't have the clock in the corner and they no. nope. the score in the corner. They are new advents. They are advents of post '90s football. In the '80s, when you had that, you did not have the score and you did not have the time. So at the time, you'd end up what you you just want to you flick it on to see. Interestingly, what the score though, Neil, you had it in the European Cup. I'm sure you probably did, yeah. But you, you always, you always had the clock in the bottom <laughs> because, especially for the likes of Liverpool away games, for example, um, at that time, and because we were, you know, it wasn't British broadcasters that were broadcasting; it was the foreign broadcasters who had that. <laughs> but chief, you're right. You would have to if you if you flick if you flick the live game on the TV then on one of your four channels. You'd have to watch it for 20 minutes just to see what the score was like. Yeah, just to wait, just to wait and, and hope and expectation for the commentator to mention or give so, even some sort of inclination as to who's winning. To drop a hint, like, <laughs> I know. say, oh, there's... Some, like something like Spurs, yeah. trying, like Spurs trying to get back into the game now, all right, okay, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Just anything to give you an indication of what sort of fucking shape the game has taken. And you might be 70 minutes into it. You'd have to fucking deduce. You'd have to get your Sherlock Holmes hat on. Like, do, you, do, you remember the, do you remember the little sort of, it was like a half moon that they had from zero to 45? Yeah. And on the highlights, you know, that little half moon had moved round. There was zero, 15, 30, 45. And, you know, for each segment of highlights, it showed you where the clock was at that particular time and the half and whatnot. That was as close to a clock as you got. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. I mean, we just take that for granted now, look. Yeah. And uh, players didn't have their fucking names in the back of their shirts either. No, just a number. You know, on yep. the quality of picture. Quality of picture with just a number in the back quality of the shirt. Picture. And you're trying to work out who quality the fuck's picture. even playing. And, and nobody had a dedicated shirt either. Like you know, you could be, you could be number oh, eight no. this week, and I could be number eight next week, Dave. You That's know, there's, right. you That's know, right. some player like obviously Kenny Dalglish always had the seven. There was there was players who had a certain number, but yeah, they weren't Daglish, they weren't, Daglish, they weren't nailed but, to it. No, but if Dalglish wasn't playing, someone else would have the seven on that day. Absolutely, yeah. because you, you had one to eleven out, and so because you only had like, twelve. Yeah, you only so had not, one sub as well. Yeah, so it's not like oh well, I can't see a number seven, so Dalglish must be playing. The seven would be there because it was one to twelve, and and that's the other thing that kids today would never get their head around is the one substitute, and how and how that changed all tactical thinking, you know, and how many times did the games end in 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 the in that time with maybe less than ten players on the pitch for, for a certain it, side because of injuries. And but even when, even when it was three substitutes at the beginning, 
you were only allowed three subs on the bench. It wasn't yeah. like you could pick. It wasn't like you could pick three from seven. You had just three subs there. There was no such thing yeah, as a goalkeeper. In my goal day, it was one. On the, it was just one. On the bench. Oh, I know. I know. So there used to be no subs. Probably getting, you know, came into football. It was two subs, twelve and fourteen, were the two subs. You never had a third because yeah. that was unlucky, or that was the keepers. The sub keeper was sometimes a thirteen. But I remember, uh, I remember Glenn Hoddle having to play in nets against us. When, I forget, it was in the 80s at some point, but uh, the goalkeeper was injured and Hoddle, has to, ha, ha, had, to, <laughs> Hoddle had to go, well, not, not that he even had, a goalkeeper sub, as you said, Hoddle had, uh, had to go on goal and he didn't concede either, the fecker. Typical, completely different game, like one well, a completely different game, but of course, times change, but no, I think you're right, this could be, this could be a, a, a shift, you know, a time shift where, where things noticeably change. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the nature of the game that's going to change. It's the culture of the game that's going to change. Yeah, but I think it's it's sort of a bit of everything, isn't it? Yeah, the culture's right, the money that's in it, the travel that's involved. The like inter- when, you, when, you th- when you think of footballers today, you think of these exotic people who travel all around the world and have this great life and they're idols and this and that. Yeah. But in the old days, they were still idols. But there were idols who went to the pub and had a drink with you. Idols who lived in the neighbourhood and went to the same bars and did the. You know. you know the old story of Phil Thompson taking the the European Cup to to the bar in Liverpool and what? Could you imagine that today? It's just it's just they're unthinkable things. The, the football was very much connected to communities. The clubs were very much community or and now they're global entities. You know, especially if you're a big enough club, it's the global entity. Maybe maybe this brings it back. You know, we hear local people in Liverpool saying we can't get tickets and, you know, day trippers and whatnot. And think what you, and that's not an attack on anybody. If you get a ticket, you get a ticket. Good luck to you. Um, that's, that's the way I look at it. But you might find that, that maybe for a season or two, football's a little bit more community based in the areas that, that, that the teams are based. Yeah. Well, you never know. You could find everything comes, becomes a little bit more localized because of obviously the restrictions on travel and movement and so on. So, could be that some good comes out of it. You have to look for a silver lining in, in every cloud. Like. You know, my, 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 the whole point of this is, like, at some point it has to come back. And we're, we're days into this. After after a few more weeks, we, we, we might be glad of any form of football, just for a, for, for a bit of entertainment. Foot, uh, nothing will be the same after this. Never mind football. Nothing will be the same. But I think football will have a massive role to play for people and trying to get back to normality and having something to look forward to at the weekend, something to fixate on and focus on. I haven't something to talk because you almost feel guilty talking about bloody football at the minute, yeah, Dave. You think, know what I mean? Like yeah. we're on here, and I'm, it's because I'm here because it gives me. I'm, I'm tired of this fucking shit, and it's not even fucking started. But you know, you can you can fall into a wormhole online of just watching and listening and reading more and more and more about it. Subjects like football go by the wayside, and, and you know, it's, it's nice to just break out of the mould and, and have a chat like this. Yeah, I think even beyond that, though, I think if you think back to, you know, you know, you yourself suggested earlier on, you know, if you think back to, like, the the early and, and mid-80s and, and what the, the country was like and what the economic situation was like, and football was that release for people at the weekends, now it's more of an entry. Well, it was a very no. violent society as well, Dave. Let's not forget with minor strikes, with riots over everything. A hundred percent. The 80s, I, I, and, and, and that... All the time. And that, it was a time of big, big time of change as well. 
Yeah. And that translated onto the football terraces. That anger from the streets was then in the football stadium. And and, and that's what the, the advent of the Premier League was to stop, to try and pr- what gentr- you, what gentrification of... Well, yeah, but what played out on the terraces and in the, in 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 the in the meadows or on the heaths in the, in the minor strike and so on played out in behind the scenes in football with the advent of the Premier League a little bit later in the, in the early nineties. It was the the gentrification of the game. What what had come before was the gentrification of the country, the move away from 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 work. From factories, from steel, from shipbuilding, from car manufacturing, from from work, coal? from coal, coal. Anybody? <laughs> of course, that caused a few problems. Let's say. You know, oh, but from all of that, from it was Thatcher saying, "No, we're we're not we're not going to make things anymore. We're not going to be industrial anymore. We're moving to finance. We're moving to money. We're moving to stocks and shares." We're moving to the future, basically, and um, and you know she gentrified the country, if, if you want to use that word. She completely changed the country, revolutionized it. You know, whatever your opinions on it, you know they're yours, and that's fine. <laughs> People are very divided on it, but it was a massive time of change, and it and, and football was gentrified there shortly after, uh, with with you know Sky turning it into a family game with the technology that then helped. To completely eradicate any any hooliganism, certainly within the stadium, and you know the general public mood, which had always been kind of anti-hooligan as as it would have been. But don't get me wrong, Neil, the atmosphere did suffer. You know, there was a. I, I said earlier oh, on in this conversation again, they changed the game. They changed the the game. What I'm saying is, the the what what changed on the pitch also changed off the pitch in the gentrification of the people who went to see the game. And in how it was perceived in the society, it was regarded as as. But you didn't admit you followed football in the eighties, Neil. In, in some of the circles, what, I, I moved in. It was, mass- was non PC. I think yeah, what you massively changed. It was regarded as, as undesirable. As you know, Thatcher called football fans the enemy within, not hooligans, fans like the enemy within. Like she declared, quote unquote, war on them because that was war on the working class. It wasn't just, you know, football football fans representing... convenient excuse is what you're saying. The working class, and she was very much against that idea of the working class, and she thought that had to be brought to heel. And that's what happened. And it changed the country. The country is completely different now. The, 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 the way people think, the way people act... How conformist everybody is, the way the way people behave, the way people self-police, every everything is different because of that era in 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 Britain. Well, we'll put it like this: if we if we were faced with what we're faced with today in the 1980s, can you imagine the rioting that would have already taken place? Because that was the the culture. You know, if you were told to stay at home, I don't think anybody has stayed at home. They'd have, no, the, people that have been out rioting, and because rioting was part and parcel of 80s culture. It wasn't eighties culture. It was part and parcel of, of of British culture, not rioting, but fair enough. Okay, fair enough. But but the eighties were a particularly nasty yeah, phase yeah. of that. By, by that time, shit had hit the fan. By that was when that was when one class basically said, "Right, we're cutting off. We're cutting the we're cutting the ladder here. We're cutting the rope. We're at the top, and we're cutting it." And yeah, we're putting the drawbridge up behind up us. The ladder now, and fuck yous. You know, if you swim, great, but we're not throwing you any life jackets. 
you know, and 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 that was that was what happened for the first time ever. You know, unemployment went from zero to three million in the space of six months, something like you that. See the, the 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 no life jacket analogy that you've just thrown out there, and that's my worry for football that well, we've been they're... we've been greedy for all these years, and whenever if we're in trouble after this. As, as a sport, as a sporting entity, football is in trouble. I don't see very many come under aid. Well, Dave, this is what I mean when I say football is going to have a part to play because, you know, Chief has just outlined something that happened prior to that sort of time frame, which is something that could very realistically play out here with, you know, very abrupt mass unemployment poverty levels increasing and they're already at fucking breaking point in the UK and what that does to the economy and well, what that food does banks. yeah exactly so it's going to drive that unemployment even higher it's going to it's going to cripple the welfare state and it's going to be the working class that will pay for this it and yeah. it always is and what that what that did in the 80s and, and you know the, 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 the release and the focus that, that the working class had was the football at the weekends. And you might not have these out-of-towners, so to speak. And this is another thing that gentrified the sport, certainly, in the stands and has affected the atmosphere. And, you know, they're, they're right to a certain extent that if you had 100% locals in that ground every week or any ground every week, it would sound a hell of a lot different than it does nowadays. It's just weird. That's, it's a byproduct. You know, I'm not saying it's good or it's bad, but it's a byproduct. Certainly, it's less intimidating and less violent, but it's certainly, you know, less emotional. Um, and people are going to have to have something to to look to and to cling to. And football might be that thing. But See, again, Dave, if you want, uh, you've, you've, you've hit a good point there, because to me, and I, and I stood on the terraces in the 80s and all the anger from the street was spat out of the football game. You know what I mean? It was very much that. That's, that's, you know, we used to say, you know, all your frustrations of the week, all, all of it, you, you got rid of that at a football game. And it, some of the stuff that came out wasn't very nice. But that was, that was, it, it was what, it was a product of the times, if you will. Uh, and, and if football comes back again, as you say, with local people who are going to be, like, people are going to be angry after all. They're going to be relieved. But then uh, after we get safe again, anger will, will, will come out. Yeah, I mean, there's there's bound to be. There's bound to be because there's going to be pent-up frustration. You know, they keep coming back to it. It's all about the length of time. People can stick things for a, little, for a while, and I think everyone can get behind this idea for now and, you know, hopefully wait it out for a few weeks and everyone returns to a little bit of normality. But the longer this ticks on and any extensions to get added to this and coupled with losses of earnings, loss of job, poverty, worry, you know, a feeling of hopelessness. What are you getting up for in the morning if you can't leave your house? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It all builds. Loss of life, loss of family members, loss of loved ones. And it's, at the end of the day, Chief, you're right. When the dust settles after all this, the first thing, and it's human condition, the first thing people will do is look for who to blame. Yep. And that finger of blame will probably squarely come right or wrongly on the government. And that is going to potentially divide oh, for, for every person who supports a government there's there's one against so you're never pleasing uh, you know no but, matter what that, they do here but that's what i mean dave it, that potentially will but there, you know, there is no the nation further they will lose like so you're right dave 
you know, they're not prepared. And what it what it's massively what it's going to expose, and I think already what it is exposing is what we mentioned pre-pod is those who have looked after their health services and invested in their social networks and services will will come through this much much better than those who have underfunded and and defunded their health services uh, and their public services. So that's that's going to be key as we as we go along here. But you're right. The finger of blame always points at government because you know ultimately they're the ones who have the responsibility to to, to be ready and and to make sure that in the worst case scenario you are you know as prepared as you can be you know you don't want to would, wouldn't, wouldn't be lovely wouldn't be lovely to think not that there's any chance of it ever happening but it'd be lovely to think that the world could be a better sort of thinking place and and you know global thinking and and you know all in this together sort of thing it'll never happen there's a, there's wonderful sentiment out there but it still feels like every man for himself and, and and i don't see that change it would be it'd be lovely to have cooperation completely across the board we're not even seeing it at the minute you know what i mean and, and we're, we're in the eye of the storm of this thing and there's there's not enough engagement internationally globally in my opinion it's only my opinion and I would like to see something more on that. And and it's country stand alone. What what happened to 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 a united, unified effort against this? You may come from different politics. You may come from different cultures. This what this brings to this world affects all of us in the same way. It doesn't matter your politics, your skin color, anything like that. Um, your religion, nothing matters. Um, and it would be just lovely to see a more united front. Yeah, we could all be. Uh, it'd be nice if we could get some lessons from China and how to deal with this <laughs> situation and get back to somewhat normality. Yeah, a bit of solidarity would would be great. But um, you know, with the current leaders we have, it's pretty unlikely. Well, where I'm sitting, at, <laughs> it's, it's even less likely with the fucking agent we have. Well, listen, guys, we've, we've, we've rambled on. We've rambled. Jesus, we've we've, we've solved the world problem. <laughs> Uh, we, we haven't solved back. them. We, we haven't solved them. We just pointed them all out. Yeah, yeah. and we've gone backwards in time. We've had a lovely nostalgic Syria with a decent wee chat, you know. So uh, uh, we didn't. We, we came here for a conversation. You know, there's no there's no intro to this pod or anything. You just straight into it because we 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 started with uh, having a conversation. I don't even think we had an idea of a podcast in mind. Here we are. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you you don't disagree with us too much and you don't stop listening to us whenever the football comes back for our political opinions. So, uh, listen, guys, thanks as always for for um, for being on, especially at the moment and uh, in isolation. Uh, it's 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 a bit of fun at least having a bit of crack, um, getting away from all the uh, all the madness that's going on. And I'll say if we, if we think of anything more. Uh, We'll maybe throw another one out next week. Uh, maybe maybe we'll have some news on on how things will progress. At the moment, it's put all speculation. We'll, we'll put them out week by week as we slowly mentally deteriorate. Yeah, you can watch you can watch our mental health slowly, slowly, slowly go down. <laughs> or if you have anything football related, you want us to talk about, please, please, yeah, please get, please send it. We'll, we'll do. We'll, like, we're anything begging, we're begging related. to do podcasts for you. Just give us a topic, something that we'll go. Oh fuck, I'd love to do that. Because we're sat here and we're going, nah. <laughs> There's bound to be somebody out there who wants us to talk about something. And I'll say, given, given the fact that we have such sort of a, an international community of sort of podcasters, given how, how 
scattered we are around the world, we can probably probably come up with uh, decent decent uh, conversations on something. Uh, don't be uh, like I asked the last time, like one person contacted me, so I'm not, I'm not fucking holding my breath. But uh, crazy times. You're all in isolation now. Maybe 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 uh, maybe things will change. But listen, if, if, if you stuck with us through this uh, conversation. Congratulations, well done. And, yeah. and if only and if only one person contacted the last time, if you do make a suggestion, the likelihood is it's gonna be your suggestion that we do. Yes, exactly. Uh, but don't all contact us at once because I'm afraid like our systems might not be able to cope. Yeah, yeah, and make, make sure you keep the relevant social distance between uh, your individual contacts. At well, least one minute between. There's what there's one thing about this podcast. There's enough distance between us all. No matter no matter who's on, there's mm. fucking a brave distance between. Well, us. That is true. <laughs> so that's the least of ours. Well, I'll try this again. Shall I? Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much to the listener. And I'm not I'm not going to finish with, with with our usual because there's there there's no 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 football, no sentiment to speak of. Uh, look after yourselves out there. Look after your elderlies as well. Um, Enjoy your isolation as best you can and get in contact with us. Give us a subject that we can get our teeth into and we'll do it for you. Thanks again, folks. Stay safe and good night. The waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. Or the times they are changing. Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen. And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again. And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin. And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now